This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, and joining me here in New York is MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. Matt, hello. We're almost at the end of the season. We've got some really fun stuff on the show, and I know I say that every week, but this week, I think, especially so, we have a, our, our latest StatCast metric. We are very excited to introduce something we've been talking about on the show for a couple months now, I think. We have to obviously talk about what's going on in Cleveland, and a very exciting Hall of Fame entry uh, from a fantastic throw we saw earlier this week. Do you want to start with a new StatCast metric? I know we've been teasing this for quite some time. Yeah, for the, the dedicated listeners you've probably sick of all the teases we've been given but now we're here we're ready to fully uh fully unveil our new uh outfielder metric um it'll be available on uh leaderboards available on uh baseball savant and uh Lots of interesting stuff to uh, to unpack here. So it is called outs above average, and it is a range-based metric for outfielder skill. And, and what that really means is how good are you at collecting fly balls? And not only that, how good are you at collecting difficult fly balls? So it's a combination of the number of balls you catch or don't and the difficulty of the balls you catch or don't. And uh, I think the way it works is actually pretty simple. We'll, we'll start with uh, by giving away the big name here. Byron Buxton is number one on this list. That's probably the least surprising reveal for anybody who's listened to the show. Byron Buxton is number one on our list this year of outs above average at plus 23 outs above average. So how do we get to that number? Uh, let's just take a minute to explain how it works. As you know, if you've been listening all year, we have been putting catch probability numbers on every single batted ball to the outfield based on how much time you have, how much distance you have to go, and what direction you have to go. We can say a ball was a 10% catch probability if it was very difficult, a 99% catch probability if it was a ball any one of us listening should have caught. So if you take every single individual number for every single ball over the course of a season, and for Buxton, I think it's a little over 300 opportunities right now, and you compile them, you can come up with one total number. Now, for example, he had a fantastic 18% catch probability play where he robbed Salvador Perez of the Royals recently. Let's take a second and listen to how great that sounded. Driven to deep right center field. Buxton with a great catch, streaking across the outfield grass to finally end the inning. And if you watch that play, it was one of those plays where, like, you know, it was a nice play, but he made it look so easy. I think it's my favorite thing about Byron Buxton is nothing actually has to look hard because he's so fast. He's just so smooth. He, he's the best. Anyone who uh, Mike sits 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 uh, next to me in uh, in our cubicle and. Uh, I talk about Byron Buxton a lot. Yeah, constantly. And as you probably remember, he is essentially tied with Billy Hamilton atop the sprint speed leaderboards for the fastest man in baseball, uh, and that makes sense. So anyway, as we said, that catch that you just heard was an 18% catch probability. So what happens is that since he caught it, he gets a plus 0.82. That's the remainder from the total of 100. But if he missed it, he wouldn't get hit with that amount because it was a difficult catch. He wasn't really supposed to catch it. He'd only get a minus 0.18. And you can compile that for every single play over the course of the season, uh, you know, here's a plus nine nine there. Here's a minus point three five there, and on and on and on, and you get your total number. So the range for the moment is Byron Buxton plus twenty three is number one. Uh, the lowest guys at the bottom are, are like minus ten, minus fourteen. So there's about a forty out 
difference between the elite uh, and the bottom end. And I think the names aren't terribly going to surprise you for the most part, right? But I mean, when you think about it, like that's a lot, that you is know. Lot. So like when you they just take a step back, okay, you know, Byron Buxton's at the top of the list, plus twenty three. Bottom of the list, uh, Matt Kemp minus fourteen. So that's basically forty outs. And if you transfer that and you think about a batter. Like, that's 40 more out. Like, if you just said, like, let's say you were just looking two hitters, you said, well, this guy, in the same amount of playing time, made 40 more outs at the plate. And before you even get into extra bases or saved extra bases and home runs, et cetera, like, that's a, that's a huge difference. And I think it might actually be like 50. Like, yeah, there's two more weeks in the season. But also, you know, Kemp missed some time this year. So he probably would have been a little bit... I think last year he was actually minus 26 because he played the full season. Uh, Buxton has played most of the season, but he's also missed some time. And I think, you know, at the end of the season, it might end up being like a span of 50 out. And, and of course, I mean, we are talking about the extremes here. Um, sure. You know, there's a lot of players who are really bunched in sort of the plus five, minus five range. But even still, 10 outs is... Yeah, it's significant. It's, it's not nothing. So if you look at the top 10, and as Matt said, you can find these leaderboards, uh, both in individual and team form, which I think people like, at BaseballSavant.com. Uh, Byron Buxton, number one, unsurprising. Number two, Ender Inciarte. That's not surprising at all. Plus 17. We talk about him a lot. Uh, Mookie Betts, Lorenzo Cain, Jackie Bradley, all in the top five. That all makes perfect sense. I really like Kevin Kiermeyer here. Um, and we're going to get to why in just a second. But Kevin Kiermeyer is tied with Jackie Bradley uh, for number five at plus 11. Now, obviously, Kevin Kiermeyer is fantastic, but he missed two months with a broken hip this year. This is, uh, it's like hitting home runs. You have to be in the lineup to accumulate these stats. Uh, now, there is a way we're going to get to in a second where you can look at it on a more rate based uh, way to look at it. So that takes out the playing time uh, but when i look at this list for the most part you know it makes sense jason hayward billy hamilton odubel herrera i do like adam angle on this list now, adam angle is probably not a name most people know i first started noticing him he plays for the white Sox uh when he showed up as like the 11th best overall sprint speed guy i never really heard much about him and i saw him elite sprint speed and now here he is uh pretty high up on our outs above average list i do remember he made an incredible home run robbery a couple weeks ago so i'll buy it but i do like being able to you know learn something new about a guy you don't think about too much adam angle seems like a really good center for field. sure he's a very interesting player this guy's gonna you know combine his pure speed with his defense this guy's gonna have a, a roster assuming you know his speed is intact he'll have a, a roster spot for a while i also like on our top 15 that uh, matt and i each get one of like our giant air quotes our guys on the list uh tied at plus seven outs above average keon broxton over here gerard dyson over there uh so it's kind of an interesting you know thing you have to thread where it's like most of these guys you probably thought were good outfielders but also if you had a new metric that said that you know nelson cruz was the best outfielder in baseball that's not going to make much sense either um so i think that that's really cool and if you can go check out the leaderboards you are welcome to do that we also have team leaders uh the twins right now are plus 29 outs above average and it's not entirely because of buxton it's mostly because of buxton max kepler is plus seven that's pretty good zach granite is plus three also pretty good and i remember they were not a very good outfield defense last year at all because uh, miguel sano is out there i think one of the arcia brothers is out there and we predicted before the season this is going to be the best outfield in baseball and that's one prediction that has completely come right you want to know a fun fact about zach granite i can't wait a uh he's from staten island and is a uh, youth baseball teammate of mlb.com's joe trezza <laughs> i wish you could all see like the excitement on matt's face to <laughs> have that zach granite stat uh and then the other the other teams on the list you know the twins are number one red Sox are number two that makes perfect sense the rays the mariners the reds and the royals those are probably six or so of the teams i would have guessed to be the top six so that's great it, it kind of aligns with the eye test in this case yeah and i'll uh, I'll give uh, Mike a little tout um, because he was early uh, preseason. He wrote a story basically saying uh, the Twins were going to have the most improved defense and arguably the best outfield defense in baseball. And sure enough, here they are number one. When you're looking for reasons why they've managed to 
um, stay in the playoff chase. And if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. Outfield defense is a big factor because for the Twins, they've always been a team that really has – they've always been an outlier in like the strikeout revolution where they have always had a team that didn't really have a lot of strikeout pitchers. Obviously, Jose Barrios changes that a little bit. But still, they're putting out a lot of guys who aren't putting up big K numbers, but they're counterbalancing that with – an elite outfield defense. The Mariners were another team that made a lot of changes this offseason with outfield defense in mind, and we see that manifesting itself uh, in the leaderboards. And, and that's pretty exciting. Now, as I said, the Red Sox were number two because Betts and uh, Jackie Bradley are both in the top five. Uh, a quick note on wall balls, because if you've been watching our you know, five stars, four stars catch probability plays, Andrew Benatendi has been kind of getting killed all year because uh, we haven't really accounted for the Green Monster very well. Also, a new change that you'll find on Baseball Savant is we are accounting for those wall balls. This is the step one of this process, right? So what we're doing is any batted ball that is within eight feet of the wall, we're counting as a wall ball. Uh, and if you catch it, great, you get the credit for that. And if you don't, we'll take that out of the sample and you don't get hit for it. Because Andrew Benatendi was getting a whole bunch of uh, you know balls that were like 12 feet up the wall that obviously no human being was going to catch. Uh, and he was getting hit for that. So that that is our step one fixer now. So this makes Andrew Benatendi uh, look a lot better. And then over the winter, we have an idea of how to actually, uh, you know, put those back in, I think in a more thoughtful way by kind of making two separate groups of batted balls. So uh, we actually also compared the performance of Red Sox left fielders at home versus visitors at home. And the visitors are actually a plus uh, in Fenway once we took out the wall balls and Red Sox left fielders was still a slight minus. So I think that that works for now and uh, we'll work to keep improving that. Something else I want to talk about for this. So outs above average, as I said, uh, it's a counting stat, and you need to play a lot to be well-regarded. But what happens if there are guys who don't necessarily play every day? Like Kiermaier was injured. Uh, A lot of these guys aren't necessarily full-time starters. If you also look at the leaderboards at BaseballSavant.com, you'll see a couple columns, uh, expected catch percentage, actual catch percentage, and catch percentage added. And this is how you would look for guys who haven't really played every day, and you just want to see, like, on a rate basis, how good have they been. So let me just define what those mean. Uh, expected catch percentage is based on the batted balls that are hit to you, based on the difficulty of batted balls that, are, that were hit to you, what would an average major league outfielder catch? So I am not a major league outfielder. I'm terrible. But if I stood in center field every day, there would be some amount of batted balls that were hit to me with some amount of difficulty. Uh, the major league average is 84%. So let's say I'm playing center field. The average expected catch percentage of balls that are hit to me would be, I would be expected, to, uh, sorry, a major league outfielder, an average major league outfielder would be expected to make 84% of those plays. The actual catch percentage is how many plays you did actually make. So for me, that would probably be zero, uh, but the actual average is also 84% because that's the way it works. So as an example here, Jason Hayward, very good outfielder. Denard Spann, below average outfielder, they have each had an expected catch percentage based on the difficulty of balls hit to them at 85%. So in terms of difficulty, they've had basically the exact same opportunities. Hayward's actual catch percentage, 89%. So he's added plus four points of value. Denard Spann, 81%. He's subtracted four points of value. And uh, that's a pretty good proxy for who's getting easy and difficult batted balls. Yeah, and it, uh, it sort of, I mean, and uh, we didn't mention it before, but Spann, now that you know this, is, you won't be surprised to find out, is sort of in the Matt Kemp uh, section of the at the bottom of the leaderboard. And they've already said he won't be their center fielder next year. Like, he's going to play in a corner, probably for the Giants next year. But I think that's cool. So this allows uh, for guys who haven't played every day to, to really shine. 
So a guy we see a lot here in New York when he's healthy is Juan Lagares. I think he passes every eye test. Juan Lagares is a fantastic outfielder. He's just rarely healthy enough to play every day. So he's only played 71 games in the outfield this year, about half the season based on where we are right now. If you were to just look at outs above average, he's plus four. So that's pretty good. Tied for 21st out of 118 guys with 100 opportunities. He just hasn't played enough to really compile more than that. Uh, if you were to look at his catch percentage added, which basically takes the difficulty of balls he's gotten and how much he's actually performed, he's plus four points there, uh, going from 85% to 89%. That actually ties him for fifth. So that's a really good way to look at it for a guy who hasn't played all that much. Uh, and then you have a guy like Buxton, who is tops both in the rate basis and the cumulative basis because Byron Buxton is fantastic. So I, I thought it was cool. This is, uh, you know, in terms of the outs above average, it's not dissimilar to what you're used to in terms of like DRS and, and UZR. But what this is cool with the expected catch percentages is you can really get a pretty good proxy for are you getting difficult opportunities or not? Because even Byron Buxton can't make a great play on a play that's not there. Right? Yeah, and, right. and one of the important things to also remember that like when, when you think about this in the context of, of DRS or UZR is that this is out. Those are measuring runs. So it's like don't confuse the the raw numbers themselves uh, as, as a straight-up comparison. They, now, like DRS has a plus-minus component, and they that when they calculate it, those all go in to create a runs or that final like runs number, but this is this is out. It's just it's important to keep that in mind. Correct, that's t- totally fair. And uh, another reminder is that this is actually just the range component of it. So we're not considering throwing errors. Uh, we're not considering overrunning ground balls like Kevin Kiermaier turned a, a ball in an inside the park home run. It's just tracking down fly balls, which is the most important part of playing outfield defense. So as we said, uh, the expected catch percentage, the major league average, uh, is eighty four percent. Most guys are between 80 and 88%. If you were to look at the guy of these 100 out, 118 outfielders with 100 opportunities, who has the highest expected catch percentage? It's Mike Trout, which I find really interesting. He has a 90% expected catch percentage. So based on the difficulty of balls hit his way, I imagine an average major league outfielder would catch 90% of them. That's really high. And that kind of goes a little bit into why he has not made fantastic plays this year. He has zero five-star catches. He has zero four-star catches. Now, it's also fair to say he's underperformed that a little bit. His uh, his expected was 90%, but his actual is 88%. So he's underperformed that slightly. But even so, he's not really had the opportunity to make all these amazing catches. I think that's got to go into the discussion a little bit, right? Especially as MVP season's coming up. So you're basically saying Mike Trout is trash now. Wow. <laughs> We're not usually, uh, we don't usually traffic in hot takes on this show, but that might be the most scorching <laughs> I've been, I've been, one we've ever had. I've been had. watching uh, too much of The Grill. <laughs> the Grill. <laughs> from uh, the grill Family. Our- from obsessed with his family barbecue it's just it's uh it's osmosis it's it's seeping it's seeping in uh no it is interesting because you know trout has had uh a lot of reasons to be in the highlights this year when he's been healthy uh leading the majors with weighted runs runs created plus of 189 i believe i saw this morning and number two is like 165 it gets kind of crazy it's like slight sidebar it's crazy how good mike trout is insane how good he is he's he's i've said this for a while i don't think i'm alone in saying this He's underrated. He, oh, he's absolutely underrated. He's he's underrated. He's the best player of our generation, and maybe the best player we'll ever see. But is, this year on defense, it's been a weird one because he's not making great plays. But partially that's because he hasn't really gotten opportunities to make. Great yeah, plays. it's a little bit of both. And so whether that's positioning, whether it's batted ball luck, whether it's the Angels pitching, I don't know. That stuff we're still working on. So anyway, that's really exciting. Outs above average uh, is available. Baseballsavant.com. Uh, please check it out because I think you'll really enjoy it. Some other things we want to talk about. But first, a question: Do you love baseball? If you're listening to this, of course you do. So take the thrill of controlling your roster and smacking one out of the park with you everywhere you go with the number one baseball game on mobile tap sports baseball 2017 please go to the itunes or google play app store right now to download it today for free and start building 
your ultimate roster. Now, we are going to get to our Hall of Fame play in a minute because it's super fun, but you may have noticed Cleveland Indians have won 21 straight games, which, for the record, is not the Major League record. It's the American League record. The Major League record remains 26 from the 1916 New York Giants, who are in the midst of a 31-game homestand. I can't even begin to explain to you why we know so much about the 1916 New York Giants, but we do, and that is the record, even though there was a tie in the middle, it was a rainout, the you know, darkness, whatever. It got replayed, and they won. Yes, uh, I spent much of uh, Wednesday uh, educating myself about the 1916 Giants, and uh, it is a little bit of a misnomer to call it a tie because it never doesn't show up in the standings, and the game was actually replayed the next day as part of a doubleheader, and the Giants won both games. So I think it is an interesting discussion, um, but I think the fact that the game was actually replayed, like, makes it clear why that it should be rightfully considered the record. I agree, but for right now. There's no dispute that the Cleveland Indians have the American League record, 21 wins, and uh, they may have played another game by the time you hear this. Now, whether they win or not, it's still an amazing stretch. Uh, we do have to have some numbers around this stretch, right? So at the moment, they've won 21 straight games dating back to August 24th. In that span, they have outscored their opponents 139 to 25, which is obscene. Now, I used kind of something interesting this morning, right? We looked at their uh, expected weighted on base. So the quality of contact and strikeouts and walks that their pitchers have allowed. Unsurprisingly, they're number one, right? But they're not number one by a lot. I, I was expecting like a forty-point gap here, and it, that's really not. Yeah, the I was sort of expecting this, like, 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 are you like, are you ready for your mind to be blown? <laughs> but they're, since the streak started on August twenty-fourth, they're expected weight on base against their pitchers, and like their pitchers. I mean, Carrasco and Kluber alone, the two of them have each made four starts in the streak, and are, like have a combined strikeout walk ratio of like fifty-eight to three. It's, I mean, I'm I don't know exactly. It's I'm not if I'm off, it's by one or two, not like an exaggeration. Like, their pitching's been insane. Um, the expected weight on base against is 268, which is very impressive. League average is like 320. Yeah. Um, but the Brewers are 275 and the Rays are 277. So the, Not a qual- big gap. the quality of contact, and we're include this includes walks and strikeouts. It's their teams that are like in their league over the last 24 games from a pitching perspective. Yeah, and so unsurprisingly, you can look at the gap right between the pitch, the expected weighted on base, uh, and the actual, and that gives you a good performance of whether you know they're being fortunate, whether they're getting everything they've earned. Unsurprisingly, they have the largest gap between expected and actual. Yes, their expected is number one, but their actual is like super number one. There's a 26-point gap, and I think it's uh, important to point out they've done this with zero innings from Andrew Miller, and they've done this with Danny Salazar has been up and down, right? So it's been basically not just basically. That, I think the fact that they, they them winning 21 straight games with, with Andrew Miller on the DL is probably the most sh- like, it it's hasn't hard to, gotten it, enough attention it's I don't hard think. to it's like sort of hard to fathom like it's sort of whatever the odds of a 21 game winning streak by the Indians are and you calculated this the other day when it was at like 18 yeah uh, now it's probably at like you know a billion I don't the, know <laughs> like you should add another like billion onto it for for, for, yeah. for the, the absence of Andrew Miller I mean the, the the story of the 2016 Cleveland run of the World Series if you had to pick one name it's probably Andrew Miller yeah and he's not even been a part of this which is ludicrous uh, they have the fifth lowest hard hit percentage they have the second fewest Barrels allowed to wait for the Mets. How did that <laughs> happen? I don't know. I'm I'm actually kind of stunned by that. Um, now, as you said, you expected the pitching to be kind of wildly ahead of everybody, and they're not. Here's where this happens: the hit, the the hitting. It is right. So the batting expected weighted on base, or as we said, the league average is around 320. Cleveland is at 370 during this span. Second place, Oakland. 343. Now, there's the gap I think we were looking for. Uh, Oakland's been pretty good. Matt, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, and, and everybody. But then Kansas City, number three. I mean, these are huge gaps that we're talking about here. Uh, they have basically everything you would want an offense to do, they're doing. They have the second lowest strikeout rate uh, in, this, in the streak, 17%, second only to Kansas City. They have the highest 
hitting hard hit percentage at 42%. They have the most barrels at 52. The next is 40. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. Now, here's my favorite one. Uh, We're looking at all this on a team basis, so I looked at this on a player basis. Since the streak began on August 24th, we've had 420 hitters with at least 10 plate appearances. Uh, If you rank them from 1 to 420 in expected weighted on base, the Indians have, let me count this, seven of the top 25 guys here. Some would be expected, right? Jose Ramirez has been unbelievable. Lindor has been fantastic. Uh, Carlos Santana, Edwin Encarnacion. There's a couple other guys you might not expect. Number four on the list is Eric Gonzalez, who is uh, an infield prospect. He's just never been able to find any playing time here. Jason Kipnis can't even play in this infield. He's been red hot. Roberto Perez, backup catcher. Every time I turn on a, a Cleveland game, I see him hitting a home run. That's happened like three times to me in the last week. It felt that way in the postseason last year, yeah, too, somehow. That's exactly right. And then um, number 25 on the list, which is a name I've liked for, for a long time, is Yandi Diaz, who is uh, a third baseman. And I remember Yandi Diaz uh, from earlier in the year we looked at him. He wasn't productive. But he was really high on the exit velocity. So if there's anybody in baseball, you'd say, this guy needs to elevate. He's going to hit 40 home runs. It's Yandy Diaz. I think he leads the league in uh, biceps above replacement. <laughs> <laughs> he's, that is, he's, uh, he's pretty ripped. We'll have to talk to uh, Tom Tango and get that to be a metric. So anyway, the point is, uh, you know, you already know Cleveland's been unbelievable, but there's 25 different things that have to happen to get to this. And the fact that they're doing it without Andrew Miller, uh, and I want to say it's mostly the bats because their rotation's been great, but it, it does feel like the bats have been a little more overwhelming. For sure. It's It's... It's it's been fun to watch, and it's, now that, I mean it's, it's when you watch their games, it's like well they're obviously you know they're not they they've they've led for it's like 198 innings and they've trailed five, at the end of five of them. That's obscene. It's, it's crazy. Have they peaked too early? Next <laughs> yeah, time on no, hot takes. Yeah, more hot takes. So time for the Hall of Fame. And now it's time to induct a new player into the Statcast Hall of Fame this week, presented by Tap Sports Baseball 2017. Maybe the least likely of our Hall of Fame inductees so far, Brett Phillips of the Milwaukee Brewers on Wednesday night unleashed a 104-mile-an-hour throw. And not only that, it was an 8-2 double play to get David Freeze. Let's listen to that for one second. In the air, center field. Phillips has a great arm. Tagging a third on his way. Here comes a throw. And the slide, the tag, is out! Oh, what a throw! Brett Phillips with the bazooka. For a right arm. So 104 miles an hour, if that sounds really good, it is very good. It is the hardest throw of 2017. Now, it's not the hardest assist. It's not the hardest. It's the hardest throw that we have tracked of 2017. And uh, that's really impressive because it's also the second hardest assist on record behind, obviously, Aaron Hicks 105.5 from last season. And if you look at Phillips, he has two of the eight hardest throws that we've ever tracked. He has in his career played 22 games and 104.1 innings. So I think it's pretty clear to say uh, that's a skill that he has. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I watched the highlight last night, and the um, it was like a perfectly timed uh, the announce like the ball is in the air, and like as like Phillips is like lining up to catch it, the announcer's like he's got a great arm, and like sure enough, an absolute hose uh, to throw David Freeze at uh, Freeze at home. It was uh, it was quite something, and of course. Uh, it was pretty funny. The uh, MLB Pipeline Twitter account uh, tweeted out the highlight, and uh, you know it, they tweeted out, "It says Brett Phillips' 70 great arm was on display as he unleashed the strongest throw in MLB this season." And then you know Phillips responded and said, "I think I can do better. How 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 hard would I have to throw it next time to get an 80 grade?" I think this is an 80 grade. Like we're, we are unofficially elevating this to an 80 grade. He has the two hardest throws of the season. He has the second hardest assist on record. It's barely played. If we're talking just about arm strength, yes, this is 80 grade. This is 80 grade arm strength. Uh, whether or not you want to factor in accuracy, well, that's a separate discussion. Arm strength, 
purely this is this is an eighty, and this is we, we've talked about this before. You know, with guys, you know, we talked about this with with Ahmed Rosario recently, where guys come up from the minors, their prospects, and scouts are giving them grades. Then we can actually legitimately put a objective number on it and basically say, well, actually, this guy's in the ninety eighth percentile of this skill. He's actually, you know, a, an eighty grade. If that if that's not an eighty, I don't know what an eighty is. And I was I was thinking about Phillips as I kind of looked this up this morning. He was part of this trade. It feels like we keep coming back to this same trade between Houston and Milwaukee. He was uh, drafted by the Astros, and he was traded to Milwaukee in 2015 with Josh Hader, who's been fantastic, and Adrian Hauser, is a prospect, and Domingo Santana, who's now their starting right fielder, for Mike Fires and Carlos Gomez. Now, Gomez kind of flamed out there. Fires has been fine. Um, but that's a trade that, I mean, if you're looking at how Milwaukee has gotten back into contention, this sure seems like it's going to be one of those deals. Santana's got 24 home runs, 368 on base, uh, 42 slugging. Josh Hader, 50 strikeouts and 37 innings, 195 yards. And, and to walk it back a second, that deal only happens because the Mets did not pass the Carl, Carlos like the Flores the, trade. The, 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 the Carl, they were going to trade Carlos Gomez is going to be traded to the Mets for Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler, and the Mets nixed it because they didn't like Gomez's medical. And then two days later, he gets traded, gets sent in this trade uh, that brought back that big haul for the Brewers. I mean, the Mets did the Brewers a favor. By nixing that trade. Well, because that trade fell through, uh, if I'm getting the timeline right here, then they went out and got Cespedes. Yes, and they traded Michael Fulmer for Cespedes. Right. It's sort of funny to look back <laughs> two years later, like how many of these players have become like big like parts yeah. of like what the narrative of the season and, right like, now. If they get Gomez instead of Cespedes, they probably don't go to that World Series. They certainly don't go to that World Series. They don't make the playoffs. Right. Like... So that one trade has changed an enormous amount of recent baseball history. Uh, so anyway, welcome to the Hall of Fame, Brett Phillips. We apologize if anybody else says you have a 70-grade arm. Here at StatCast, you have an 80-grade arm uh, in our eyes. So welcome to the StatCast Hall of Fame. And that is our StatCast Hall of Fame play for the week, brought to you by Tap Sports Baseball 2017. Go to the iTunes or Google Play App Store right now to download it today for free. Start building your ultimate roster. And that is our show for this week. We will catch you next week. This is the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.